This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. One, two, three, four. Hello and welcome into the 24-7 Sports College Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Andrew Ivins, Director of Scouting at 24-7 Sports. And the theme of guests continue as Cooper Patagna is out on his honeymoon hopefully enjoying some adult beverages somewhere in the Caribbean. I can't remember where exactly Cooper is, but I'm joined today by Blair Angulo, co-host of the 24-7 Sports College Football Recruiting Show, which you can find on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Blair, we had you on, I think it was two weeks ago. Excellent podcast, tons of good, positive feedback. So I had to get you back in the driver's seat. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I wish I was on my honeymoon, though, somewhere in the Caribbean, enjoying an adult beverage. Shout out to Cooper Patagna, who's probably living his best life right now. I would think so. But hey, you are going to Hawaii for a camp. You just we were before we hit record. You're you have a flight booked to Hawaii. Uh, what is that? The end of July. I'm I'm je- I'm jealous and envious of that. You make the the trek out to uh, our nation's fiftieth state quite often. Someone has to, right? Andrew, uh, I get to go at least twice a year, sometimes three times, sometimes four times. It, it's a rough, rough gig out here on the West Coast. Uh, but yes, June 30th is that f- travel day out to Maui. And then we have the camp on July 1st, which is a big one. There was 300 kids last year, Andrew, that got to the Maui camp that uh, the UC Report guys put together. And uh, it's it's always loaded, right? We get to see every top player from the island. So I'm, I'm excited to get back out there. And, and I do have to take the red eye back to L.A. right after the camp. So don't feel that great for my life. But, yeah, that's I, I guess that's the rough part about it. The worst part is, is if you can't shower before that red eye, you have to get the extended checkout or the people next to you are, are not going to be I, too happy. No, well, that I mean, that's a five and a half hour flight. So you can rest assured <laughs> that I do have that extended checkout right after camp. I go back to the hotel, take a quick shower, and then I'm off to the airport. Pro move. Well, it is camp season, right? Uh, college camps, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, are in full swing. We were just discussing that um, every university takes advantage. Satellite camps have obviously turned into the boom. Mega camps as well. You know, staffs will send representatives to different pockets of the country in hopes of mingling with some of their 2024 targets and then really getting eyes on guys in the class of 2025 and 2026. But Blair, we're not talking about the college camps right now. This episode is devoted to the Elite 11 Finals. Uh, The representatives just finalized their roster. 20 invites have gone out to the nation's premier quarterback event or quarterback showcase. I don't have the line in front of me, Uh, but this is is 
the the big the big one right for for quarterbacks and um it's entering its 25th year i was surprised by that silver anniversary for the elite 11 blair any any memories you have i know you've covered the event a bunch anything stand out to you from the past take us down memory lane i think the thing that stands out to me the most uh when i do think back to past elite 11 finals is the performance that justin fields had uh, a few years ago up in beaverton oregon when it used to be on the nike campus as part of the opening finals which was a huge premier national event every summer i think every kid had that on their bucket list right as a recruit as a football player as a guy that's coming up as a prospect you wanted to get to Oregon the summer before your senior year to compete in that premier event. And the Elite 11 was a part of that. And Justin Fields, I remember, went in there and just put on an absolute show. Uh, I don't think I remember seeing him make a bad throw. Uh, he was leading his team down the field during 7-on-7. Seven seven. During the camp portion, he was threading the needle on every throw, showing off the arm talent, just basically you know, kind of stamping himself as a five-star prospect. And that's what that was about. So for me, I always think back to that because that was, I think, a golden era of recruiting before NIL took over, before it was about branding and marketing and getting the likes on Instagram, which I think has, in a way, taken over college football recruiting. That was a time when recruits were going out to showcases because they wanted to earn that fifth star, right? Or they wanted to show, hey, I'm the best quarterback in the country. Uh, all these other guys are below me. And that was, I think, the time where you're like, okay, you know, that's that's really special to go out and see a player not worry about hurting his stock or hurt, hurting his brand or hurting, you know, the way maybe he might be perceived as a quarterback. I'm just going to go out there and make some throws and show you why you should be writing about me more. And then we fast forward a little bit, right, to 2023 into that cycle last summer. Andrew, we didn't get to see the best two quarterbacks in the class, right? When it, when it was all said and done, it was Arch Manning and it was Nico Iamaleava, one and two in the quarterback rankings. None of those two were at the Elite 11 finals last summer, right? So uh, I think it's been a, a different era now, but I will preface it and say this year's roster looks really good and really promising. And, and for that, I'm excited, uh, you know, to kind of get a feel for, for that again, to get, to get that competitive juice flowing in some of these quarterbacks. I'm glad you brought up Justin Fields performance at the elite 11 finals. Cause that's the one I had jotted down back in 2017. I will never forget it. And I know listeners have heard this story before, but, Blair, do you remember it was Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence in a seven-on-seven -seven game, and the sidelines were absolutely packed. I think you could find I, it. I on was YouTube. about to say, yeah, I was about to say that. Like, I've never experienced that... anything like it. And then fast forward to now, they're both like starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, like I, I don't know if if our listeners maybe remember tuning into some of those broadcasts, which were on ESPN and sometimes on on YouTube somewhere, but. You used to be able to walk around those fields over at the Nike headquarters in Beaverton, Oregon, and 
it was pretty easy, right, to navigate your way through some of the fields, some of the workouts, the seven-on-seven portion. In, in that particular setting and that day when it was Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields, it was difficult to find a spot on that <laughs> sideline by the shrubs, by the bushes, up on the berms. Like You had to go up a deck uh, next to the Tiger Woods Center, which is adjacent to where they were playing those seven-on-seven tournaments. Like You had to be very meticulous and very strategic on where you were going to be standing just to get a, a look at some of these quarterbacks and that's you know i keep going back to that word golden era of just competitiveness between these quarterbacks and i hope that we're getting back to that because this roster for this year is kind of shaping up right where we're looking at some of the guys that are already invited and we're like okay all of these names check out and i'm just excited to see how everything unfolds I know we want to get to the roster, but last thing on Justin Fields, because Blair, I use this example all the time, right? Kids are like, I don't have a fourth star. I don't have a fifth star. I said, hey, Justin Fields spring before his senior season was a three-star recruit. He finished as a five-star and he was selected in the first round of the NFL draft. You will be just fine, right? Let, let your play speak for itself. And every time I tell recruits that story, you know, they kind of do a double take and they're like, okay. And that speaks to what you're talking about. Two other two other memories I have, and, and then we'll get to the roster. C.J. Stroud in 2019, uh, he was kind of the dude. I'll never forget that Bryce Young was there, but C.J. Stroud cemented himself as a as a blue chip quarterback prospect. That was I don't want to say it was his coming out party, um, but definitely I think he answered all questions in that setting. And then I'll never forget my first Elite Eleven Finals back in 2015. I was a young buck and I, I had no idea what I was doing, but, but Jacob Eason was there uh, a bunch of other guys that are now playing on Sundays. And I was like, Whoa, like this is, this is pretty cool uh, event to be at. And it's obviously uh, evolved over the years. So this finals is June 14th through 16th. So we're about what, two weeks away from that. It's out in Los Angeles, a three-day competition. We said 20 quarterbacks will be there. Um, in past years, they have brought out some college counselors, which is also always fun to watch uh, because the way it's structured, you know, there's a workout, the opening night, and then the, the second day, they normally um, gear up and do a scripted pro day, just like you would see as these uh, draft hopefuls will go through the process and do pro days. And, and the college counselors always go first. Uh, so that's fun. We don't know who the college counselors are, but we do know who the high school arms are. And Blair, I, where do you want to start with this? I, I was trying to think of a, a a way to kind of run through the names, but I guess we should just start at the top of the board. Dylan Rayola, our number one ranked prospect in the class of 2024. He punched his ticket out in Eugene at one of the regionals, and I would think uh, he should thrive in this type of setting. He was surgical up in Eugene. It was me and Brandon Huffman who got a chance to see him last month. And I think everything that you look for in that premier quarterback in this class, he he checks off that box, right? With the arm talent, the precision, the ability to just hit off-platform throws, the ability to go opposite sideline without really showing a lot of effort, uh, his touch on the deep ball. Uh, I, I think he has everything that we're excited to you know, see him unearth or to show off in the Elite 11 because it's it's about being accurate and it, it's about uh you know going through your progressions when you have to but then also showing the footwork and showing the the mechanics to be consistent and and when you think about all the throws that they make over the course of those three days like you 
have to be physically ready and physically mature to be able to handle that type of workload. And I don't know if there's a name on this roster sheet that checks off that box with a Sharpie more so than Dylan Riola does, right? Like he has that, that frame, that arm, that, that moxie that's going to be able to carry him. And I, I think he comes in to this, to this event, to this showcase as the clear cut guy to, to beat. Uh, I think he has that target on his back and everyone knows who Dylan Rayola is. Everyone knows that he's going to Georgia. And uh, I think that is what excites me the most about seeing him throw, because now I want to see him react to that, right? Like, I think we're all going in there expecting a certain type of level from him. And, and now it's like, okay, let, let's see you take it up up a level from where we even think you're going to be so yeah i think that's interesting and then you have a, a ryan puglisi who's on the yeah. roster too right like we yeah. saw this last year with jane rashada who was committed to miami at the time and uh emory williams and who who also was committed to miami so miami had two commitments in the in the finals last year georgia has two this year and i'm not saying there's going to be some tension or some sort of you know head-on collision between both of them but i'm also not saying that there's not going to be a little bit of tension right i think this is the start of the competition i don't know if they've ever thrown in person together and i don't know if if they have measured each other up like like they have or or like they will be able to in in los angeles at the elite 11 finals but that's another thing that I'm really excited to see is is how will these two guys, knowing that the other guy is a few feet away or in the next station, uh, how will they react to that? Well, that's what I was going to say. I think that is the biggest or one of the biggest storylines heading into this event, right? You have the two-time defending national champions, right? I mean, <laughs> they just keep reloading and they have two quarterbacks in this 20 quarterback field, two quarterback commits and you know, I've read some stuff from from various outlets and, you know, Dogs247 has brought this up. Ryan Puglisi, who hails from Connecticut, for those that are, aren't familiar in the state of Connecticut, churning out some arms uh, uh, recently. Will Levis, who uh, was selected in the most recent NFL draft, Tyler Van Dyke uh, from the same area, area up there in New England. You know, he is not afraid of Dylan Rayola, or, or that's the sense I get. He, he is not concerned about that other quarterback coming in. Uh, so I want to see these two side by side duke it out, like bring it on is, is kind of my thing. And, you know, with Rayola, you talk with different people on the scouting sides of things. You, you talk with different college contacts and, and people familiar with the recruitment. You know, the the sense and the vibe I, I, I've i gotten, I, I've heard this from someone in Athens, like Rayola loves the fact that he is number one. Right. You know, so how is he going to respond? If, if day one, when the Elite 11 posts their rankings, Ryan Puglisi's ahead of him, or he's not in that, you know, quote unquote, top 11. Uh, so that's something I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Those two guys duking it out. And I, I think if you're Ryan Puglisi, you know, you look at a guy like Stetson Bennett, who beat out multiple five and four star quarterbacks in Athens, you know, he was never supposed to be the guy, but he was the one that that Kirby and that offensive staff trusted. So that is certainly something to keep an eye on. 
Yeah, I think also there are some college rivalries that are always interesting to to kind of see because these guys go out to eat together. You know, they're they're rooming with each other. They're hanging out at the lobby. They're you know some of them even fly in on the same plane and they land in LAX. They have to take the same shuttle over to the event. Like the, these guys start to become friends, and a lot of the times they end up staying in contact in college and they go off into the nfl and and they remember that you know few days that they spent in la uh, at the elite 11 finals and and we get a little sense of some some rivalries brewing during this week right we have air nolan who's headed to ohio state and then you got Jaden davis who's going to michigan right like it's going to be interesting to see if they pair them in, in similar groups well, yeah, uh you've got uh let's 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 dig, let's dive into that one because cooper is, is okay is, is okay. the one that kind of uh i don't know raised the flag like hey you know this is a rivalry that's that's already taken place all right one we'll see on saturdays and and one that he saw at the elite 11 regional in atlanta and and then now we're going to see it out in los angeles uh in, in the cool weather uh of la and um Jaden davis uh, North Carolina Gatorade Player of the Year, North Carolina Max Preps Player of the Year, uh, just won a state title uh, there uh, at Providence Day. You know, he has – I thought he took a step back as a sophomore, and then he had a, a heck of a junior season, right? He's committed to Michigan, and then you have Air Nolan, like you said, who's headed to Ohio State. Remember, Dylan Rayola at one point was committed to Ohio State. If Dylan Rayola doesn't back off that pledge, then Aaron Nolan doesn't have a spot in Columbus. He'd be headed somewhere else. And, and when you look at Aaron Nolan, quick release, uh, a guy that is as battle-tested as anyone out there, won a state title uh, this past season in Georgia. I mean, he has thrown for more yards than anyone in the uh, – anyone at the Elite 11th Finals. He's attempted more passes. He's thrown more touchdowns. So I'm excited to see that one as well, if those guys trade you know, trade blows and, and duel it out. I, I think so. And, and uh, I think what's fun about it is that they have some differing styles, and it, it really could be down to preference, right? When we're, we're thinking about scouting this event and evaluating these quarterbacks, I think we all see things a little bit differently, and we all have maybe a different idea of what could be a successful college quarterback or a player that can go off to the NFL. Well, this opportunity for us and for these guys to showcase themselves across three days is huge because we could see, uh, you know, we could see a, a Daniel Keelan who's he headed to Nebraska throw right after a uh, Danny O'Neill who's going to Colorado throw after a uh, Michael Hawkins who's going to Oklahoma uh, throw after a Dante Reno who's going to South Carolina and then figure out, okay, who has the better arm strength, who's a bit more accurate, who maybe delivers the ball on time a, a bit better than the other one, who uh, shows a bit more timing or rhythm when he's in the pocket. Like Those are all things that are so crucial in the evaluation process, and we get a chance to see them uh, one by one by one, and they go after each other. Uh, but then you also have that that rivalry setting right where you have a you know a julian saying who's headed to alabama compete against some other quarterbacks who are headed to the sec who's going to face on saturdays uh you know the colin hurley's uh the Dem demon williams uh the dj lagways like there are so many underlying storylines that uh, i think make this event really fun um but in particular with Aaron nolan and Jaden davis 
uh, it, it just brings it out a little bit more because both of them have been a bit more vocal about recruiting other players and making sure that they, you know, stay where they are in the recruiting rankings and, you know, going after certain targets. Like they are adding a little bit of extra spice to it, which I'm here for, Andrew. I, clearly, I, I like the the smoke and uh, that's kind of what I want to see from those two. We'll get into Julian saying here in a second, but I think the guy that I don't want to say he has the most to prove, um, but I think a lot of eyes, a lot of evaluators eyes are going to be on DJ Lagway, right? The quarterback out of the state of Texas that is headed to the University of Florida. That's where he's committed. Uh, He's got one of the highest ceilings of this group. He is an athletic freak. I mean, he's listed at 6'2", 225 pounds. He is a rocked up individual. Um, but he hasn't been the most consistent player on Friday nights. And anyone that has seen him throw this spring, I, you know, I was talking with Gabe Brooks, uh, our guy in Texas uh, earlier this week. And he said, yeah, like, I mean, he throws it hard and, and, and he's a streaky guy. Sometimes he's on, sometimes he's not. So I just want to see what DJ Lagway you know, what he looks like. I think he's one of the biggest wild cards at this event. I think he's one of the biggest wild cards uh, really in in the 2024 cycle. So he's someone that I have circled where, you know, all eyes are going to be on him. Do you have anyone like that, that Blair? I know I'm putting you on the, on the spot a little bit. I mean, you've rattled off a ton of different names, but anyone Yeah. Like I I agree with you a hundred percent on DJ Lagway, right? Like I think we forgot that he exists in this class because of the you know the 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 manner in which he committed kind of early right and and not a lot of the headlines were on the 2024 class when he did come off the board to the gators uh and then you remember like the runner-up maybe was usc and lincoln riley doesn't miss on quarterbacks very often and when Lincoln Riley wants you and he wants you to be the quarterback in his class after he had already lost Dylan Riola to Ohio State the first time, like, and you move on to a DJ Lagway, like that screams elite to me. So I want to see that. And, and I want to see him back it up and, and maybe have us remember that he exists because I think we've forgotten that DJ Lagway could be one of those guys in this class. Uh, When you go down the list, I think I'm super intrigued by CJ Carr because I got to see him at the battle seven on seven in Las Vegas. And he was playing, I believe, with a team from California. I'm not sure if it was California Power. (laughs) California Um, Power with like four guys from California on the team. Yeah, but yeah, and that was going to be my point, right? Like he's playing with guys that he doesn't play with like ever really. And uh, he doesn't have that rhythm. He doesn't have the familiarity with where a receiver likes the ball or, you know, you, you have to develop some sort of chemistry to be in tune and on the same page with your targets, especially in the seven on seven setting where you, it's all about timing and getting the ball out quickly and making sure you know who the receivers are. They're going to be able to get open for you. I saw him and he made some good throws, but I don't think I got to see the true CJ Carr and and maybe the CJ Carr that uh, Notre Dame clearly saw and the, and the CJ Carr that Michigan offered really early on in the in the in the cycle as well, right? So I'm super intrigued by what he can show us at the Elite Eleven Finals, and and I'm not saying he's going out there to prove anything, but I I think he's a player that also could make an ascension up in the rankings or has some wiggle room there to to continue to stamp himself because. 
like DJ Lagway, CJ Carr came off the board early. And at times we tend to forget about some of these guys. And, you know, that's that's a quarterback that I think, especially at Notre Dame, which needs a home run in this cycle at that position. If he shows those glimpses, I, I think the the fighting Irish fans are going to be super excited. So that's a player that I have my eyes on. Well, if you listen to this show, you know that I've been uh, pounding the table for CJ Carr. I, I'm a huge fan of him. I, I You mentioned you saw him at a seven-on-seven tournament. At, where was that? Las Vegas. I saw him in Orlando at, at one of these battle or, excuse me, overtime seven events. He was my alpha dog for, for the day. He went back and forth with Tennessee commit Jake Merklinger, who is not at the Elite 11 finals. I thought CJ Carr was that much better than him. And, and for those, I'm sure everyone knows this by now, but he is the grandson of Lloyd Carr, legendary Michigan coach, headed to Notre Dame. I think he checks off so many different boxes. I know there's some chatter behind the scenes. Hey, he's got to prove it on the field. I, I challenge anyone uh, to watch what he did in, in the playoffs up in Michigan at Saline. Uh, you know, doesn't have a ton of talent around him, more of a pocket passer, but he is a a a, a crafty athlete that can get out of trouble. I, I really like uh, CJ Carr. I think he's one of the hotter names coming into this event. Uh, and that leads us back to Julian Sayan. You know, we had Greg Biggins on the podcast recently who saw Julian Sayan. I think it was at a high school seven-on-seven tournament and then saw him at the Adidas QB retreat. And Blair, I know you've seen a bunch of Julian saying a, a guy that's headed to Alabama uh, from there, uh, from from California, and someone that's reworked his body. So, you know, uh, and, and someone that also seems like he's kind of a, a go getter, wants to prove himself, wants to, to to silence any critics. And I don't know if you've gotten that vibe from him in the past. He he does have a chip on his shoulder for sure, and it's weird to say that about a quarterback that's going to Alabama because he doesn't play at, at a modern day or at St. John Bosco or, you know, one of those high profile schools that you know of from California, like a Long Beach Poly or a Mission Viejo or a Corona Centennial. Like he plays at Carlsbad, which is a beach city. And, you know, for the most part, you, you don't really attribute it to being a football town. Uh, but he's got a tremendous, tremendous arm talent. I, I love uh, his anticipation. I, I think he throws uh, on time for the most part. And and that's one of his strongest, uh, strongest characteristics as a passer is, is just getting the ball out and making sure that it's going to get there on time when that receiver breaks. I, I think I, especially from quarterbacks out West that I've seen in this class, there isn't someone that does it as well as, as Julian saying. And, you know, I think he's still getting a little bit more athletic. You, you mentioned, you know, him working on his body. And I think that's just part of the process. He was a bit lang, lang you know, a little langy and a little, you know, slimmer and taller, but now I think he's, he's got a little bit bulk to him and uh, just being a bit more physical. Uh, it's going to help him um, not only in this event, but obviously heading into his senior year. And, and I, I do think that maybe he feels like he has things to prove, even though he is right there on the cusp of five-star status. This is a player who had offers from basically everywhere in the country, uh, chose to go out to the SEC and commit to the Crimson Tide. He could have stayed closer to home. He could have gone up to a place like Oregon, which didn't have any quarterback commitments at the time. Um, you know, there were some rumors that he was maybe leaning to to a few other schools in the SEC before, you know, making that decision to the Crimson Tide. So, yeah, I, I do think that heading into this event, you know, this is a player who maybe wants to prove that, hey, look, like I am 
worthy of being the next big quarterback from California, from the West Coast, that heads on over to Tuscaloosa and, and does a little bit of maybe what Bryce Young did or what Tua Tango-Vailoa did a few years back. So, yeah, for sure, I, I think he's got a, a ton of things that he wants to prove when you know he makes it up the, the highway here in, in L.A. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Let's bring up the highest ranked uncommitted quarterback. That'll be at the Elite 11 finals. Uh, I, maybe he could make a decision before. The event kicks off, but I, I don't think that is the case. And I'm talking about Elijah Brown. You brought up Matter Day uh, there, Blair. I mean, from a resume standpoint, and I know he is surrounded by a ton of future Power 5 players, it doesn't get much better than Elijah Brown. 29-1 as a starter. I think he's 10-1 against teams ranked in the max preps, top 25, completes 70.5% of his passes. That is one of the best marks I've come across so far uh, in the 2024 cycle kid that took an official visit to UCLA back in May, Cinco de Mayo weekend Bruins doing it big with a, a visitor weekend. Uh, and I think he's tripping to Stanford this weekend, USC, which is still looking for a quarterback is also in the mix. Um, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm more of a fan of, of Elijah than, than some of the others. And, Admittedly, I have not seen him in person in a, in a while, so excited to size him up. I don't think he has the biggest of frames, but man, this guy is, is pretty lights out. He can facilitate, he can distribute uh, under the lights uh, on Friday nights and oftentimes against top competition. He had one of the best performances of the season last year that I got to see in person, Andrew. I think I remember telling you about the the night that he had at Bishop Gorman erasing a double-digit deficit against a secondary, mind you, that had players headed to USC, uh, Oregon, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, like they had guys up and down that roster on the defensive side of the ball, uh, I think eight or nine p5 or d1 bound defensive players uh you know so as much as we like to say oh you know it'd be easy to be the quarterback of modern day you're just throwing to this guy that guy you have this guy blocking for you you have that guy you know running the football um i i think he still has a lot of responsibility in that offense and every time i've seen him and i think every time that greg biggins has seen him who's ultra familiar with elijah brown's game uh, elijah answers the call right and he's very in a way, uh, unassuming, kind of just goes about his business, really about his process, really methodical, doesn't say a lot. Yeah, he's not you loud. Tell, yeah, you could tell that he's processing things when he's at these events, at these showcases. So 
this is a player who I don't expect if he makes a, a big time, you know, 55, 60 yard throw for a touchdown, you know, in a couple weeks at the Elite 11 finals, we're not going to really hear it from him. He, people around him are going to have to make noise to, to make it seem like it was a big deal because he's not going to be the guy that's going to draw attention to himself. So I, I think in that way, um, he might be a, a difficult evaluation because he's just so silent, so calm, so serene about everything that he's going through. Um, and, you know, in a, in a way, you know, I don't know if, if he goes into this event and we question his competitiveness, right. Or we question whether or not he wants to be there because I can guarantee you that he he does and and he will want to be there he will want to walk away with the mvp award um and, and you know to your point i do think he has a lot to prove because julian saying is is in the state right like he's still a player that plays in california and there is that conversation uh right like is it julian saying is elijah brown who's the best quarterback in this class in the state of California. And um, I'm sure that Elijah Brown's going out there as much as Julian Salem wants to prove that he's worthy of being an Alabama quarterback. I think Elijah is definitely saying, Hey, you know, hold up. Like, I know that I have all these weapons at modern day, but I'm pretty good too. <laughs> 29 and one. I, you know, it's hard to, to knock that right. Even, even if you're playing at a, one of the top premier programs and I, Greg said, it's, the most talented team he's ever seen this upcoming matter day program. And that one loss, I think he, he played good enough to win. He put matter day in position uh, to, to either tie or, or take the lead. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I watched that entire game uh, in a cut up and he was, he was excellent down the stretch. I, I know this is, you know, you, you probably don't have an answer for me, but you do have boots on the ground there on the West coast. Any idea which way he might be, might be leaning uh, with those three, Pac-12 programs, well, I guess two future Big Ten programs uh, in the recruitment because there's no crystal ball forecast in yet as of this taping for Elijah Brown. I, I have felt that USC is probably in the in the best position, and I know that Lincoln Riley doesn't offer a ton of quarterbacks. Like I think he offers one at a time, right? Like he's not the quarterback that or the quarter, the the coach that's going to throw out five or six different quarterback offers and say, "All right, you're the first to commit." No, he goes one by one. So uh, I, I've always felt that the Trojans were going to be in a really good spot had Dylan Rayola not ended up in LA, and I still feel that way. And and judging by the official visits, and I have to read between the lines there because that's that's what we do andrew as reporters is we have to look at the we have to follow the visits right are, and i'm gonna cut you off right there are we still in the cookie cake era or have we just transitioned to the wild photo shoots with luxury cars like are the cookie cakes I, done i i don't know if they're completely done uh but they're definitely on life support well unfortunately <laughs> right like i think we moved on to uh, the luxury cars, the exotic, uh, you know, photo shoots with the laser beams and the smoke. Uh, and hey, like, can you guys do this really cool graphic on the visor, which is really shiny when we're taking this photo? But, you, you know, everyone on my Instagram won't know that it's me behind that visor, but I still <laughs> want to wear it. Uh, we're, we're in that phase of, of recruiting. Uh, I don't know if we're going to ever see Elijah Brown, you know, in one of those photo shoots. I think that's that's how unassuming he is. Yeah, wait, uh, as wait, wait, just a a normal high school kid, but I am, I'm following the visits, Andrew. I'm, I'm saying USC has the final official visit at the end of June for a reason. And, and that's because you have to assume that the Trojans are in a driver's seat there 
to keep Elijah close to home and follow uh, the big addition that they had in the quarterback room last year with Malachi Nelson, with Caleb Williams gone to the NFL after this coming season, that job is going to be wide open. It's either going to be Malachi Nelson and or Elijah Brown and or whoever transfers into the program. Yeah, when, when it's time for Elijah Brown to make a commitment, there are going to be graphic editors scrambling because they're not going to be able to find like an easy an easy crop job in uh, in Photoshop. That'll be... Uh, yeah, there's going to be some intern like yelling, saying, man, Elijah Brown did not give us much to work with. We have <laughs> shot one, we have shot two, we have shot three, and he's just staring blankly into the camera, uh, and I have nothing to do. <laughs> um, a- another guy that you have a ton of uh, exposure to and, and someone that just came off the board and listeners are going to be familiar with this name. Isaac Wilson, younger brother of former BYU standout, current QB two uh, for the New York Jets, Zach Wilson. He committed to Utah. You talked about it, teased it on the podcast, said it was a, a monster win for the Utes just because they don't normally get these blue chip quarterbacks And Blair this morning. I was actually, I'm I'm going through these arms and 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 rewatching them, you know, fresh notes, getting ready for their, our Elite Eleven coverage. And man, like when you put on Isaac Wilson's tape, like I you see a lot of Zach Wilson in terms of he's moving around, not afraid to air it out, and he can you know thread the needle, oftentimes off platform and on the move. He he's not afraid to throw across his body. He had double-digit interceptions, which you know, is probably a weird way to start my statement here. <laughs> uh, but but uh, that kind of shows just his his uh, his go go big or go home kind of mentality, right? Like he's a he he takes a lot of risks on the football field, and you would expect that from a quarterback that doesn't have a lot of reps under his belt. I mean, remember this was the only year that he was able to start because as a freshman when it looked like he would be the guy uh Jackson Dart went into Corner Canyon and transferred in Jackson Dart ends up signing with USC plays as a true freshman has since transferred to Ole Miss when Caleb Williams was brought over by Lincoln Riley so he had to sit behind Jackson Dart as a freshman and then it's like okay cool like you know I sat behind Jackson Dart I learned I I took my hits and my lumps and now I'm the guy well then Devin Brown transfers in to Corner Canyon after seeing what Jackson Dart just did in the pandemic year Uh, Devin Brown uh, then committed to USC ends up flipping and signing with Ohio State he's competing for the number one job there in Columbus Uh, and so you know, then Isaac Wilson's like, okay, well, I'll have to wait. And so then we see that first year uh, of Isaac Wilson, and I'll give him credit because you would assume and you would expect, okay, there's another Wilson playing quarterback at Corner Canyon. Uh, hey, we're probably going to expect him to do everything, right? And and win the state player of the year and win a state championship and get all these offers. And to his credit, um, I think he's handled everything tremendously well uh the attention uh the eyeballs you know the people you know in a way kind of joking that he's you know not zach or he's just another wilson quarterback um there was a funny moment actually and i'll take you guys behind the curtain a little bit at the elite 11 regional in los angeles a few months ago where Julian Sand was there. Elijah Brown was was there. Those were the other two that eventually got invited to the finals. Well, there there's a throw that you know Isaac Wilson's about to make, and 
there's another player receiver who goes, Hey, like you look familiar. Are you, are you, Will, are you a Wilson? Are you, are you brothers of Zach Wilson? And you know, one of the coaches is like, yeah, yeah. Like that's Zach Wilson's brother, you know, my, you know, mind your own business, something, something along those lines. Well, then the, the kid goes, well, Hey, tell your brother that he's got to turn it up or, you know, get, get his, get his act in order because I'm counting on him in a way, kind of insinuating that he has him on his fantasy football team yeah, or something like a or deep, other deep, deep dynasty league, like two. Yeah. League. Yeah. There was, there was something, there was some ribbing there, right? Where the other, the receiver goes, Hey, yeah. You know, just it's, it's funny that you're Zach Wilson's brother, you know, just tell him to get his act in order and, you know, make sure he's, he's better with the jets or whatever. So then Isaac Wilson, go, okay, cool. You know, whatever, whatever takes his rep and drops back and the receiver is down the field right like he took off from like midfield it's a go route he's got to go and catch it near the near the goal line isaac wilson never threw the football <laughs> and he did any any did it on purpose because that kid was making fun of zach so that's the type of personality that Isaac Wilson's going to be bringing to him or with him to the elite Eleven finals. And I will tell you that the coaches that found out that that was happening, loved it. Like they were absolutely dapping him up and saying, Oh, that was hilarious. That was the best thing I've seen all week. Um, you know, that that's the, that's the kind of joke joking demeanor that he has. Like he's not going out there trying to be, Oh, I'm, I'm Zach Wilson's brother. I'm trying to back it up. And, you know, I need to be the next big time quarterback to come out of the state of Utah like no he doesn't take himself too seriously and I think that's going to really help him in an environment like this because you need to be loose you need to you know in a way have fun and go out there and compete um, but it's a huge win for for Utah Andrew because they haven't really been getting that marquee quarterback uh, right like they have a Cam Rising who was a transfer um, but they haven't ever really won not only in state but regionally to get a big time four star quarterback that has the eyeballs that that an Isaac Wilson does uh you know the last one you have to go back to was Jack Tuttle who you know didn't work out in Salt Lake City ends up transferring over to Indiana uh, but he wasn't even a local prospect that could help them recruit there in the Salt Lake City area so Isaac Wilson's going to be huge and this this event's going to be huge for Utah if, if Isaac Wilson's out there making any sort of noise I would expect them to be in the conversation for a lot of prospects within the region. He's got some, uh, I don't know if I can say this on the pod. He's got some shit to him. <laughs> I, I was you around. Say it. Yeah, I was you around. Say it. It, you know, as it, the it, former host of this podcast, I can tell you that you can say it. Okay. Well, I, that's the vibe I, I got from him. And you scroll through the social media. Um, I, I, I pick up on that as well. Um, he, you, we talked about it. Uh, Isaac, a first year starter, an, another first year starter that we kind of stamped early in the recruiting process. And Blair, I, I know you probably don't know much, much about him, but Luke Cromanoke, quarterback that's headed to Florida State, um, a, a guy out of the Savannah area. Um, Savannah had a quarter uh, a quarterback there, what was that, two cycles ago, Holden Gurner, uh, or at least his family had ties to Savannah. But Luke Cromanoke, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. Saw his first ever start. He was down in Miami, his school, Benedict Military. Uh, was taken on Miami Columbus, which ended up winning a state title. Uh, and they were a bit overwhelmed at, at the point of attack. But this is a guy that can rip the football, a, a former wide receiver. He played wide receiver and defensive back as he sat behind Holden Gurner um, and, and learning behind the former Elite 11 finalist that is now at the university, or excuse me, is now at Auburn. 
Uh, but Luke Cromanoke, uh, you know, not talked ab enough about on the national stage. And I think he is someone that has a chance to rise up in the rankings. I think it's a really good get for Mike Norvell. I think he has a chance to excel in this type of setting. So I, I'm excited to see Luke Cromanhoek. Uh, I've been a, a long believer. My, my player comparison for him is I think he's got some, some Ryan Tannehill in his game. Remember Ryan Tannehill, also a former wide receiver. Uh, Blair, I think we should maybe just kind of go rapid fire on these next few names. Uh, let, let, let's let's pivot to DeMond Williams, the Ole Miss quarterback commit out of uh, Arizona. You want to talk about rivalries. This DeMond squared off with Dylan Rayola twice last season uh, at, at when he was at Basha High School, and he beat him both times. Um, and he's not going to be the biggest guy there, but he might be the most athletic when it comes to the testing numbers. There's always a quarterback or two that fit the Damon Williams mold, right? Where they're maybe a bit more athletic or more of a scrambler or can do th some things that maybe this event doesn't allow a quarterback to do, which is exclusively a passing event, right? Like you're not going through an obstacle course to see who does it the fastest, or you're not seeing, you know, the type of agility that you would expect on a Friday night. Like Damon Williams is going to be able to do all that sort of stuff when the lights are on on Fridays. Uh, so he might be in a, in a way kind of handicapped um, in an event like this, because you don't get the full scope of what he can be, but yeah, you know, we, we discussed the chip on Julian Sain's shoulder. Uh, how about the one on Damon Williams shoulder? You go out there and beat Dylan Riola twice, especially, you know, at, in the, in the playoffs to go and, and win a state championship. Then you go out of state in California early in the season and you beat Malachi Nelson on his field, right? The five-star quarterback who ends up at USC. You win that game as well. Um, you know, he went out to Oxford, the regional, the Elite 11 regional, um, and, and traveled out of the region to go and, you know, participate in the event that it's in his future uh, location of his college and uh, didn't get invited initially, right? Like he had to wait a little bit to, to get it. So I think he has a, a huge chip on his shoulder. I'm excited to see you know, what he can show uh, in terms of arm talent, because uh, I think for the most part, we don't label him as an elite passer. We just label him as an elite quarterback. See, that's the thing. I Then you dig into his numbers and it's like, whoa, OK, he can throw the football. And I would encourage anyone that's that's not familiar with DeMond. I mean, put on the tape. He he will zig and zag his way in the open field and, and beat defenders to the edge and, and then just kind of take off. I mean, he is. He's electric, and but uh, 33 starts over the past three years, 28 and five. He's completed 69.1 percent of his passes. He has one of the best uh, interception rates in the class. You're not you know throwing a pick once every 70 attempts, so he can throw it, and that's kind of what I have written down for him when I get out in in, uh, in LA. You know, what does he look like as a passer? I do need to walk back the statement, though, that he is the most athletic quarterback there because I think this next guy uh, has has a one up on him. And that's Haas Henney, a kid out of Texas that is committed to TCU at one point was committed to Duke. And he flips over to the Horn Frogs, who obviously made uh, an appearance in the in the college football playoff this past season. Same thing as DeMond, right? He's not going to blow you away with his measurables. He's under six foot. Um, but this kid can fly uh he's a two-time district champ in the 100 meter dash has a i think it's a 446 uh on the ledger led uh his team to a, a texas state title 
right? Ran for 1,200 yards, averaged 10.5 yards per carry. Uh, Dad played for TCU. He played football. Mom ran track for the Horn Frogs. Uh, I'm a big believer in Haas Henny. Um, you know, I, I've, I've ran this by Gabe Brooks. I don't know if he agrees, but he reminds me a little bit of of Derek King in terms of how he moves and how he is able to create when things break down. And 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 Derek King was a guy that when he initially got to Houston before he transferred to Miami uh, when Manny Diaz was there, he he returned kicks. He played wide receiver and and Haas Henny uh, as a sophomore was his team's second leading receiver, right? So he was a guy that is also kind of, you know, settling in as a quarterback. The same thing goes for Luke Cromenhoek, um, who, who I just brought up the, the Florida State pledge. So Haas Henney, I'm, I'm fired up about him, Blair. I don't know. Have you got, have you, have you seen any bit of him? Yeah, a little bit. And, and um, I, I think the answer is like TCU has a type, right? Because DeMond Williams was also on that board for them before he came off the board to Ole Miss, uh, a really ultra athletic quarterback. Um, you mentioned you ran, you ran off some of his numbers, but I, I think the thing that stands out to me about him the most is just his playmaking feel, right? Like he has a feel for things. He has, uh, that, that DNA marker checked off the, just the a, list. He's, because, he's a playmaker. Yeah. Like what he does on Fridays, right? I think that's, sometimes you go out to an event like this where it's just passing and it's just, you know, Hey, you have to throw this here on time. Um, like for him, his makeup is okay. The ball was snapped. Where do I go from here? Right? Like, how do I make something happen? And, uh, it's not rehearsed and it's not choreographed or in a way programmed the way some of the drills are at the elite 11. So we miss a lot of that element for a quarterback like Haas Henney. Um, but I think that's that's one of the good things about an event like this is that we get to go and see him because the check tapes out or the, the tape checks out and he's already checked off that box. And now we go out and, you know, see, OK, how much work does he need as a as a passer? Right. Like, or how far behind is he, you know, to some of these other guys, um, you know, or what does TCU really have here? Um, I, I think those are all really important questions with a quarterback like this. Oh, he can air it out. He can definitely air it out. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Two other quarterbacks from the Lone Star State. That'll be at the Elite 11 Finals. Will Hammond, who is committed to Texas Tech. And then you have Michael Hawkins, who is committed to Oklahoma. Both those guys right now in our rankings are, are not four-star prospects. So, you know, we will, we will get a solid, solid evaluation on them. I know. Steve Wiltfong, the director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports, is a big fan uh, of Will Hammond. And then Michael Hawkins, a two-year starter at Allen, which is one of the biggest programs there in the state of Texas. He's going to spend his senior year at, at Frisco Emerson, uh, a guy that can also beat you with his legs. And you look at what Oklahoma took last cycle uh, with Jackson Arnold, who was another you know dual-threat talent. I, I think Jeff Levy has a type. We keep bringing up that word, types. Uh, player... <laughs> Colin Hurley, he might be the youngest quarterback at the event, a guy that reclassified from 2025 to the 2024 cycle. I think he's 16 years old. I'm still trying to lock down a birthday on him. I, I, I have to imagine you've seen Colin Hurley at some point. He 
he seems to be at everything, right? And he's a kid. I've out seen of him twice. <laughs> I've seen him in Vegas at that same event that we discussed uh, with with CJ Carr, and then I saw him uh, out in Phoenix um, at another event where I got to see Demon Williams and Isaac Wilson, and you know he did lead his team to a semifinal appearance at that OT7 regional in Phoenix. Uh, really physical player, right? Like he he looks like kind of like a Dak Prescott type. Um, you know, yeah, not quite 215 pounds, right? Yeah. Um, and he's not, think, he's not, he's not trying to think yet. of last year. Yeah. Like, and I'm trying to think of last year's quarterback class at the elite 11 finals. And I feel like there was a few there that kind of fit this same type of prototype. And, uh, you know, Kenny Minchie was one of them, right? Like yes, who ends up, is, yep. who ends up at Notre Dame, just a big broad shouldered, physical, strong, lower half. Uh, and you could still tell that, okay, like once this guy gets in the weight room and understands exactly what he needs to do to his body, um, like, you know, the, the upside and the limit is, 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 is unbound. Like you don't know where he can be when he finally gets to Baton Rouge and gets, you know, under the tutelage of a, of a Brian Kelly, um, and so I, I think from an arm talent standpoint, he has a, a lot of tools. He just has to be a bit more consistent. Uh, I like his accuracy. I like his ability to hit receivers in stride. Uh, I think he has a really good feel for things. Um, he just has to do it rep to rep. And uh, maybe sometimes that that goes back to his youth, right? Like you mentioned that he's one of the younger quarterbacks in this class, reclassified from 25, uh, is really excited to get to LSU eventually. And this is going to be a big platform for him to – you know, say, hey, like I do belong with some of these 24s that might be a little bit older than I am. Yeah, Colin Hurley headed to LSU. You mentioned Brian Brian Kelly, Joe Sloan, friend of the podcast. Uh, he will also learn from from Coach Sloan, who um, did wonders with uh, Jaden Daniels this past season in Baton Rouge. Colin Hurley is my uh, odds-on favorite to uh, have the best pro day. Uh, and then I think he can win the rail shot challenge. And we mentioned night one. There's usually a workout, and and they do that rail shot challenge where kids will get one throw. and And Blair, what is it like a uh, what what kind of route do they run? What 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 do they have to hit? It's it's basically a, a beat, it's beat like cover a back, two. Yeah, it's like a kind of like a back shoulder fade, but it's like a it's yeah. kind of a seam route, right? Yeah, like uh, yeah. it's a yeah, it's a it's a very intricate. Yeah, it's like a really intricate route where if you're one foot to the left or you know maybe if you lead the receiver too much like it's it's and you complete it but it's it's not a completion right in in the in the way the drill should go and and it's very particular and it's very specific on what they're asking these quarterbacks to do and you know if you're just a random spectator and you're sitting there and you're wondering oh why did that guy just get eliminated from this drill it's it's because he didn't do exactly what that throw entails so that one is super fun because uh, you need in a way to kind of visualize a tunnel and you have to fit that ball in between every little layer of that tunnel. And it has to be in the perfect spot for the receiver to kind of turn around back shoulder, catch it, and then keep it away from the corner, which is invisible. Uh, it's it's a route on air, uh, but it's still a, a really challenging throw. That's one of the favorite stations of the whole week because you kind of get a feel for arm strength uh you get to see who has good touch who timed it perfectly and then also uh you know who could throw strikes right like who's who's gonna actually aim it to where they wanted to throw it yeah i according to the elite 11 it's a deep pass down the sideline so their target 15 to 20 yards down the field 
and it, we we completely just made that way more uh <laughs> we made, we made it more intricate or uh way more specific than maybe it had to be maybe they just you know they they dumb it down a little bit yeah and it, in order to advance you must the ball must have pace energy and be on the face mask of the pass catcher so and it's very subjective right like the way yeah, you play like this yes. or the way the way you're able to quantify whether or not it was a good pass or or a bad pass, like you kind of have to be there. Uh, you have to you have to understand, like, okay, that's not what that route was intended to do or what that throw was supposed to do. Well, we will see who will be the 2023 a rail shot challenge winner. Stay locked to 247 sports. Um Few other names. Let's let's kind of breeze through them. I, I don't know if you have uh, a, a ton of contacts on these guys. Daniel Kalen at a Bellevue West, another first year starter. He flipped his commitment from Missouri to Nebraska. Um, this is one of the bigger kids from a frame standpoint. There, highly intelligent football player. I'm excited to get some some eyes on him. Again, he flipped it from Missouri to Nebraska. First quarter. Yeah, it was it was huge. It was huge for Matt Rule to be able to pivot to him, right? And and get him after missing out on Dylan Riola. Like you expect them to hold on and stay in that fight for Dylan Riola as far and as long as they have to. Uh, but for them to to pivot to a Kalen and get him and get a really good athlete, I think was huge. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think it's notable. I mean, that's the first quarterback that Matt Rule has taken from the high school ranks since he has returned uh, from the NFL. Danny O'Neill, another guy that is not going to blow you away with his me uh, measurables out of Indianapolis Cathedral, led his team to a state title as a sophomore. He's headed to Colorado to play for Coach Prime. And, and to me, I, I, I just recently broke down Danny uh, uh, again. You know, he's he's uh, deceptive as an athlete and um, just a guy that, isn't going to make a ton of mistakes in terms of he's going to protect the football. He's going to let the people around him make plays. Um, you know, uh, it, this is shooting from the hip, hip player comparison, but I, I think there's like kind of some Stetson Bennett in him. So okay. he's, another, yeah, okay. he, he, he's a guy that's not going to back down. And, and someone I saw, wow, two or three years ago at, at the FBU freshman All-American game. Um, Did we is, get to see him in San Antonio for the National Combine? Yep. Yep, he's we've seen him at a bunch of things, and it's been fun to follow his growth. And now he's at the premier quarterback event heading into his senior season. And committed to Deion Sanders, which, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that he gives up some good sound bites about what it's like to go and visit with Coach Prime and you know, maybe potentially the move to the Big Twelve. Uh that's gonna be, you know, pretty interesting to see, you know, how Danny O'Neill feels about the moves that Colorado's making, not only on the field, but off the field, the transfer portal, how they're building the roster, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I, I think he's one of the quarterbacks that I'm most excited to catch up with from a, a, an interview standpoint. That's that's always my favorite part is, uh, and I guess I got to do try to paint a picture for listeners, right? So we are all in a hotel lobby as these kids check in on, I guess that's unofficially day one. And Blair, do you remember... <laughs> This would have been three uh, years. Do, do I do I remember? Um, this was two or three years ago. No, two years ago. We're sitting there, and at the time, Malik Willis walked by. He was one of the college counselors. And I, <laughs> did I stop him or, or you stopped him? I said, hey. What, well, what well you and I were 
we're, we were in charge of the photo station, right? We're taking headshots of all these players as they're coming through to update their profiles. Uh, you and I had kind of worked up uh, one of the banners, the 24-7 sports banners, to put it up on the wall. I brought a light. We put it up on a tripod. You had the camera. You were uploading photos onto the laptop. I was putting stuff into the message board compared to, you know, you know the, the measurables and what guys were saying. And, you know, we're, we're all kind of keeping our head down, but also making sure we're aware of the quarterbacks that are walking through the station in that hallway at the hotel. And yeah, yeah, Malik Willis comes by. And I think it was me who said, Hey, did you get your headshot taken yet? And yeah. you kind of, yeah, you kind of just like, you know, in a way just said, Hey, like, you know, let's take your photo. And we had no idea who, and then we took his photo, everything like that. We had no idea who he was. Yeah. I actually, I think this is how it went down. He came up to the table and I said, what's your name? And he's like, Malik Willis. And I'm like, this guy is not on the roster. <laughs> and then I'm like, so I Google it and it's me. And I think Steve Wilfong and, and someone else. Cause remember this was before his big senior year at, at Liberty. Like he, he was productive as a junior, but he was kind of an unknown. And then I'm like, Oh, like, no, we don't need you. And then he's doubled back. And that's when you grabbed him. And I, I was like, no, we don't, we don't, we don't need Malik Willis. But uh, that, yeah, that is a lasting memory. And, and that's what makes like, the check-in fun, right? You never know what these kids are going to say. Uh, and we interview them. I, I think one year we had CBS Sports HQ uh, there in the lobby, and we were kids were saying some some interesting takes, right, in terms of coaching movement and, and whatnot. Uh, Blair, let's round this up because – round this out, excuse me, because we're, we're approaching uh, <laughs> close to an hour. I didn't know we could go this long. Dante Reno, the South Carolina commit um, out of – I think he's going to play at Cheshire Academy here as a senior. He's one of the older quarterbacks. I, I, remember, I totally forgot there was a, a time when there was talk of him reclassifying to 2024. Um, he's kind of the bell cow of the Gamecocks recruiting class. I think he matches um, Shane Beamer's energy. Back-to-back -back championships in New England. I talked about New England there. Um, I, a guy that I'm excited to, and we keep using the word excited, but someone I'm Looking forward to see throw um, because it's hard at times to kind of gauge that competition up there. Uh, it's all, a lot of Saturday games and, you know, it's hard to parse through the film sometimes on those guys. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the weather is terrible later in the season and uh, they play on Saturdays and all the tape is, you know, under uh, under sunlight pretty much. Right. Like you don't get any Friday night vibes to, to some of those games. And I, I think that's. One thing I did want to mention, and it's funny that we bring it up with Dante Reno, is that this is a really good opportunity to stack up all the quarterbacks uh, one by one in in one setting uh, where, you know, in a way, we're always kind of comparing notes and we're always trying to figure out who's better than who or who should be ranked ahead of who. Uh, but this is always a really good way to kind of reshuffle and reset the board. Um, and a player like Dante Reno, who I'm not familiar with, I've never seen in person. Um, that's one of the things that I'm really excited about because I see him where he sits in the rankings and I see him where he's going to college, right? South Carolina, he's a top 20 quarterback in the 24-7 sports rankings. Um, okay, how does he compare to the guy that we have maybe ranked ahead of him from Arizona or from Utah or from Texas? Uh, those are all the things that that are, are really exciting for us as an entity. And um, I think Dante Reno, when you look at him, when you look at his tape, when you see the the type of makeup that he shows on film, um, those are the, some of the things that we're excited to, to kind of see from him when he makes it out to LA. Ethan Grunk, 
Meyer, uh, quarterback, kind of a late riser here, just committed to Penn State, and then he punched his ticket to the Elite 11 finals, I think. Uh, either while he was in State College, he visited and he committed and he got an Elite 11 invite all in a like two-week stretch or one-week stretch. Yeah, you, you think Cooper Patagna's having a good week. How about our guy Ethan Grunkemeyer who went out to State College and you know got a chance to compete at the Elite 11, punched his ticket to LA, and then, by the way, he just commits to the Nittany Lions on that same visit. So, yeah, not, not, a, not a bad weekend for for Ethan and it's probably going to get better because now he gets to come out to the West coast and, you know, continue to ascend in the rankings. We got actually a chance to uh, break down his video a little bit, his film from, from the event. And then obviously from his, and, and he can, he, he has, he has some stuff to him, right? Like he has uh, some tools and I, I know that's a player that Alan true's really high on and really excited to see how he continues to ascend. So he could be one of those sleepers for us. There's always a, a guy or two, right, that kind of comes out of nowhere and then really announces himself to the national stage at the Elite 11 Finals. Um, and, it, it, you know, right, in a way, it's kind of funny. Ironic, Ironically, like, uh, Jack, was it Jackson Smolik last year who got the in invite only because... Uh, only because Nico Iamaliava canceled last minute. So they flew Jackson Smolik out, committed to Tulane at the yeah, time. Yeah, he committed to and, Tulane. Yeah, and ends up flipping to Penn State. So look at look at you, James Franklin. You're doing big things over there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there's two things I like about Ethan. One of the few guys that's a multi, true multi-sport athlete of this group of 20. I think that's super important when you, when you just look at the guys that are playing on Sundays and what they did at the high school ranks. And I, I think he's one of the guys where you can definitely watch the tape, right? Look at what he did at that elite 11 regional. And then you go back and you watch what he looked like as a freshman, as a sophomore, you can see the arrow pointing up and there's definitely more there, right? His best football is absolutely ahead of him. So uh, that that's what stands out to me about Ethan. Um, and then the last guy here, right? I think I hit, uh, we've hit all 20. Someone that I actually saw play last week, uh, his spring game, Trevor Jackson, a three-star quarterback out of the state of Florida. I, again, I, I was got some fresh eyes on him. And uh, Trevor Jackson is, is currently uncommitted. So there's two guys that have yet to make decisions. Elijah Brown, Trevor Jackson. Trevor Jackson scheduled to take an official visit to Pittsburgh this weekend. I think they're going to be pretty hard to beat, right? The dominoes are falling. Um, and he reminded me when we talked after the game, Pitt was the first school to offer him. And it came last summer uh, after he threw for them up there in the Steel City. And and I did not know this about Trevor Jackson. He doesn't turn 17 years old until August. So we said Colin Hurley is young. Well, Trevor Jackson is as well. One-year starter, separated his shoulder early on in his junior campaign, played through the pain. I think he is a natural thrower of the football uh, and another guy with a ton of upside. So interested to see what happens with Trevor Jackson in his recruitment and then how he stacks up with the rest of the guys knowing that, hey, he might be two, uh, two years younger than some of these other guys he's going to be throwing uh, side by side with. I'll say Texas A&M and Missouri are also involved in Trevor Jackson's recruitment. Blair, we did it. All 20. We hit on all 20 quarterbacks. Thank God they didn't give us 24. 
<laughs> I mean, we could have gone another 30 minutes. I mean, we honestly, you and I kind of reined ourselves in here. Um, but no, I, I think it's going to be a, a terrific week. I, I, I'm going to go back to my first point, and and it's about the competitive nature of this event. Like, I, I know that a lot of these quarterbacks are coming out here because they want to prove something or they want to show something. Um, and in a way that's that's really true and i think it's 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 really about just beginning that stage of your college development and then going and, and trying to compete on saturdays and then you're going and trying to you know in a way it's an arms race to get to the nfl like all this all this stuff is, is super important and it's a huge stepping stone for these guys to come out to the elite 11, elite 11 finals see how they measure up uh, and then maybe if you're Dylan Riola, see who else could be in the mix there to potentially knock you off as number one. So that's that's going to be interesting, man. I'm, I'm super excited. It's going to be a fun week. And uh, it's always a really, really good event. Well, I'm going to remind listeners, stay locked to 24-7 sports between June 14th and June t- 16th. We're going to have a full team of analysts out there, tons of coverage. I've heard the cameras are coming, Maybe maybe some stuff with the YouTube channel will be in the works and, and it, it parlays or I should say it rolls right into the OT7 finals which are also in Los Angeles that weekend and the OT7 finals uh, OT7 excuse me I keep saying it wrong uh, presented by overtime and, and Adidas that's going to have a ton of the top skill players there as well and I think some of the younger arms Blair I'm going to leave you with this right we're heading into this big recruiting weekend give me one school you're keeping an eye on you looked at the visitors list and you're like whoa these guys are loaded man uh you have to start with georgia right like georgia is shooting for the best class ever we heard dylan Rayola say that recently when he committed to the bulldogs that they want to sign the best class ever and what better way to do that than to start off the month of june with a huge weekend down in athens a week after the uh the whole uh you know, kind of scavenger hunt with uh, with Kirby Smart. So it's going to be, I think, a huge weekend for Georgia. Uh, that's the weekend that I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, damn. I just look 16 official visitors and what? Six of those guys, seven of those guys are uh, composite five stars. Man, they're doing it big. Stay locked uh, to 24-7 sports. I'm sure Steve Wiltfong will be uh, all over uh, the big weekend for the Bulldogs. And hey, I want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast uh, Blair, thank you for pinch hitting once again. Thank you for also reminding me that you used to run this podcast. Uh, I, I love that. And uh, if you like the show, please like, subscribe, comment, do what you can, share with your friends, and we appreciate the support. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys later.